Welcome to Lunch Break, a special weekly series of the Eternal Entrepreneur that gives you bite-sized pieces of wisdom on how to build a functional faith and business. Each episode unpacks a short, actionable topic you can put into practice this week. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome back to the Eternal Entrepreneur Podcast. I am Pierce Brantley, co-host of the show. Believe it or not, I know what the first question you all are asking. No, this is not an effect on my voice. There's been no alteration, and I don't have a cold. I think I've got some crazy allergies going on, and I like it. I'll take it. It's like uh, Barry White if he had asthma. (laughs) So I'm going to run with it for now. But hey, guys, it's been so good uh, to get back in front of the mic again. So good to talk to you all. It's been too long. I really do miss the opportunity to have a conversation and tell you what I'm learning and have a chance to connect again. I was struggling, though, not just vocally. I was struggling with what to talk about today. And you guys ever have days where you just wonder if you got anything else to give? And I've been meditating on something lately, and I'm just going to share it with you all. We're going to go on a little bit of a journey today. And it's been about what kingdom business really is. And if you're like me, you're immersed in this stuff. You've studied on it. You've read the books. You've talked to all the folks that are talking to all the folks. And it all sorts to start to sound the same after a while. And this, in some ways, can cause a little bit of doubt. Now, I don't say doubt in that it's not a good thing to aspire to. But you start to wonder if there really is even such a thing as a kingdom business. And so you start to inspect the facets of the diamond. You start to turn the thing over and see how the light reflects in different ways to understand all the nuance of the concept. And so that's where what I've been doing. And one of the things I've been struck with, and I want to reflect it back to you and see if you're struck with it and if it affects your business, is the sort of reality that the Christian business and the secular business in many ways look the same. And in many ways, by the way they operate, are indistinguishable from the two. Now, in that, I'm not actually talking about Christian businesses being unethical or Christian businesses um, somehow lowering their standards. I'm actually talking about the opposite. The secular business has gotten so good at cause marketing, at mission-oriented marketing, at emotional intelligence as it relates to how it manages its employees, even ethic audits audits, and the way they approach work-life balance, everything post-pandemic that's been coming out. There is very little difference, and I would venture to say even less so as we progress of a difference in the way in which the secular business pursues its missions and the way the Christian business pursues its missions, which begs the question, if we really are going to live underneath the banner of a Christ oriented, a Christ-focused, Christ-giving business, what then really is the difference? So let's talk about an example. 
So years back, I used to do brand strategy for both the secular business and the Christian business. And ethically, when it came to the differentiation, which is to say the values and the precepts on which they built their business, they would always look the same. What differentiates you? It would be we have integrity. We add value. We go the extra mile. All of them didn't matter. Could be a car dealership. Could be wouldn't car dealership. It was a car maintenance company. It could be a credit union. It could be uh, a new entrepreneur doing a tech startup. Integrity, value, going the extra mile, honesty. Like it would go on and on. The values on both sides of the coin are the same values most of the time. When you talk to top brass leadership about what differentiates their company, whether you are uh, a secular company, a Hindu company, uh, Islamic company, Christian company, everyone chooses the same values. I've been doing this long enough to know that they pretty much pick the same things. Now, we could have a que- we could have a conversation about how does that play out, like, when you say integrity and I say integrity, what does that mean? Sure, we can define terms that aspirationally the leadership is saying this is what is important to us. And I would say 99% of the time, both the secular and the Christian business are talking about the same thing when they talk about these values. So that was one thing that sort of peaked up this conversation. And then after that, I begin to look at some of these secular businesses out there who are really good at mission-oriented business development. A great example in recent memory is Uber. During the pandemic, Uber had committed to giving 10 million, 10 million free rides to healthcare workers, to senior citizens, to at-risk, to help them. And if that had been underneath a different frame, meaning we just want to have grace on those that are less less available to work than ourselves, or we want to help those who are helping others, or we want to go the extra mile, ha, no pun intended, to help those who are on the front lines. And we put all that underneath the Christian context, we go, that's incredible. 10 million lives were touched through that. And so, and that's just one example. And so you start to see that, okay, if the ethical aspiration is the same and the innovation underneath the banner of mission-oriented business is also the same, then what is the difference? A couple weeks ago, I was watching a movie and uh, it was called, I think, The Green Knight. Actually, I had to turn it off. So if you find it, this is not a promotion for the movie. I got about, I don't know how long into it, but I had to turn it off. I didn't like it. Too violent, too crass. But there's a line at the beginning of the movie. There's this knight. And the knight decides he wants, he's not a knight yet. He wants to become a knight. And so he decides to go off on uh, battle, basically, to go fight this, like, this demon and, and win his glory and prove himself as being worthy of knighthood to his nation's king. And his significant other goes, why do you have to pursue greatness? Why pursue greatness if goodness is enough? And then she asks again, because he's like, well, I want to, you know, it's for my name. It's for my glory. It's for me having a seat at that table. And she goes, isn't goodness enough? And he basically says, no, goodness isn't enough. 
And I think there's something for the Christian that's pregnant on this. And let me tell you why. If we are really pursuing greatness, but superficially we have Christian ethics, or Christian culture, those kind of things, the world has those things too. And in many ways, if they are pursuing what it means to be innovative in a fast-paced business world with that guise in mind, they, from an execution standpoint, I'm not saying a hard standpoint, but an execution standpoint, can outpace uh, the kingdom business. And this was grieving me a little bit. And so I was praying about it, and I felt like the Lord gave me a picture And he rewound me to the Old Testament and some of these battles that the Israelites were having to fight. And I don't know about you, but many times I see business just like a battle. People may not die, but one brand is certainly going to win. You feel me? So when you look at uh, the way these ancient wars were fought, they were always in the name of the God of the people. And who got the glory if the God won the battle, if the God won the war? That people's God did, of course. And so while on both sides of the line, you had generals and you had lieutenants and you had soldiers and you had strategy and you had execution and you had a reason for that battle, ultimately one people group would get the glory for that battle being won. And that glory would be aspired to the God that those people served. The same is true, my friend, as it relates to your business. What do I mean? Superficially, your business may not look that much different than a secular competitor. Now, maybe it does. Maybe you guys are just killing it. This isn't necessarily a comparison of execution, right? Because at the end of the day, you got to execute well. It's nothing to do with being a Christian or non. When we talk about what differentiates the business on the inside, it's getting harder and harder for the consumer and certainly those running those businesses to tell. But the glory of that business is either going to be unto that operator's own greatness. And so therefore it will be ultimately meaningless or it will be unto the glory of King Jesus, the glory of God, the father, the glory of the Holy spirit living, actively animating you day by day, teaching you how to run your business, teaching you how to love your people, teaching you how to go into all the world and preach the gospel through every operation, through every kind of mindless or seemingly minuscule piece of execution or administration or management. There's something that smells different about the way you're doing it. And that difference is who and how you are working to. What is your work unto son and daughter of God? 
If your work is unto your own greatness, then it will smell like your own greatness. If your work is unto King Jesus, it will smell and it will look like something different. Recently with some friends, uh, I've been looking into, I've been studying some of the, of the Stoics, not because I'm having a, a religion change. I'm just looking into history and leadership and a lot of different things. There's a lot of different things to learn. And what's so interesting is Mike Marcus Aurelius, for instance, he'll talk about how there is no you know, purpose to uh, our lives other than the moment that we're in right now. And it's very dry, and obviously it's without God and all that kind of stuff. But one of the things that's interesting from a leadership perspective that I think we can apply to our Christian lives is this perspective of once that moment is gone, the moment's gone. And we talk about this in the Christian walk as well, that on the other side of our lives, a lot of what we do isn't really going to matter that much. I've heard some preachers say, go as far as to say, it's all going to burn. There's some truth in some parts of that phrase, certainly contextually. Why do I bring this up? Because if our work is about what our work is unto, if our business is about what our business is unto, and that unto is the glory of God, then every present moment that we are in is an opportunity ripe for testimony, ripe to introduce people to the God of heaven, to the maker of earth, to the maker of your soul, the one who inspires you and animates you and gives you the ability to even go about this crazy thing called owning a small business. And your work is certainly different. Because you are not under the burden of stress that other operators are unto. Why? Because you have that peace of the Spirit, that presence of the Spirit filling you. And you'll be at rest. You have that inspiration of Almighty God telling you how to pursue every waking thing in your day. And so you don't have to get exhausted looking at every newest piece of research that comes out of anything else. Why? Because the Holy Spirit gives you wisdom freely and without reproach. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives you an anointing, the ability to add something extra to your work. You're not only just now talented, that talent actually changes the hearts of people and inspires them unto repentance and has an extra effect in the world. There's something so special about letting every moment of your business be present to what God is doing. Because when you do that, you get testimony. And every chance, every time you do not do that, the opportunity for testimony is lost. And it's just one of those other moments, one of those other operations, one of those other client engagements that is simply just going to be on the other side of heaven. I don't know about you, but I want every opportunity that I have when I run a business, when I interact with clients, when I interact with colleagues, to give glory to Jesus. The Bible says a city on a hill cannot be hidden. How much more brand, how much more business? All right, my friends, thank you so much for joining me uh, this week on Lunch Break. Normally, 
we have to challenge and action items with these lunch breaks. If you're new to lunch break, we normally do that. I don't have a challenge because I want to just share with you the journey that I'm on what the Lord is showing me. If I have any challenge at all, it would be to lean into this idea of letting everything in your business speak to a better name, speak to the glory of God, speak to the testimony of Him in working in your life. Because operationally, there may be differences. God may have given you special wisdom on how to, to differentiate your business from another. But I don't know that he's super concerned with the competition in the business world. That's just part of the game. That's just monopoly. That's just, are you smarter than the next guy? That comes down to you being a good executor, right? Uh, what differentiates the soul is whether the soul is made new in Christ. And so then the question is, as a new man of God, a new woman of God, a new person living out their faith, as sojourners, as businesses that are sojourning, but speaking to a better name. Is your work unto your own greatness or is it unto the glory of God and the goodness of his name? Okay, my friends, have a fantastic week. I love you all. Don't forget to think eternally. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, do me a favor and leave a quick review. When you do, it helps other entrepreneurs find this content and benefit from it too. See you next week.